Hakai Magazine explores science, society, and the environment from a coastal perspective. Today's feature article is Germany's Winds of Change. One community loves wind turbines, another resents them. What Germany gleans from two seaside communities may determine its carbon future. By Paul Hockenos, read by me, Heather Walter. At a glance, the windswept seaside communities of Reusenkuge and Wabs in Germany's northernmost state of Schleswig-Holstein, a neck of territory that connects Germany to Denmark, share much in terms of pedigree and character. They're both located in history-rich, sparsely populated, old maritime areas that once boasted hinterlands of manor estates with dairy farms and sprawling root vegetable plantations. Today, Vobs, on the eastern seaboard facing the Baltic Sea, works as a tranquil seaside vacation spot that attracts summer tourists from across Germany and Denmark. In the off-season, the cobblestone streets are quiet. The souvenir shops and most B&Bs shuttered. Bucolic Reusenkuge in the west, about 85 kilometers across the isthmus, also depends on tourism luring visitors intrigued by the expansive mudflats of the Vaden Sea. Despite the similarities, they are poles apart when it comes to embracing wind power. Reusenkuge hosts one of Germany's largest and densest wind power parks, Bürgerwindpark Reusenkuge. It boasts 86 turbines, each one substantially taller than the Statue of Liberty and her pedestal, many of them spaced less than half a kilometre from one another. The wind park and those on either side of it in neighboring districts cut a broad swath through marshy, long ago reclaimed lowlands. Their soaring turbines, 150 meters from base to blade tip, crowd the skyline for kilometers in every direction, right up to the Danish border. After sunset, blinking red lights atop the masts, required to warn off planes and helicopters, turn the farmland below into an eerie nightscape reminiscent of a Blade Runner set. Almost all of Reusenkuge's 325 or so residents are shareholders in the collectively owned wind park. The remaining few are mostly older people and children. This arrangement has made the residents wealthy and vocal supporters of wind power, and desirous of more of it. In Vobs, on the other hand, though nearly as blustery a station, there's just a single turbine. It stands near the community's border, beside five others planted within the boundaries of the next district. All six evoke disdain. Unlike in Reusenkuge, the community has no ownership over the turbines. They belong to a private, out-of-town developer. Heiko Stark, a local businessman and organizer of Vobs' anti-wind power initiative, explains, At first we said, okay, one or even six, that's okay. After all, this is a new epoch, and the Energiewende is part of it. He is referring to Germany's effort to transition to renewable energy sources by 2050. But many more turbines are coming, and that, he says, is a problem. Wind buffeted little Schleswig-Holstein, a state smaller than the Italian island Sicily, is one of Germany's wind power dynamos and central to pulling off the Energiewende, literally meaning energy transition, which aims to decarbonize Germany's economy by relying predominantly on wind power as well as energy derived from solar, biomass, and hydro. 
Schleswig-Holstein's onshore wind turbines produced a whopping 11.3 million kilowatt-hours of power in 2017, and offshore turbines supplied an additional 6.9 million kilowatt-hours, enough to supply 5.2 million homes. The state restricts turbines to 2% of its land mass in areas recently designated as priority wind power zones, areas that include both Wabs and Reusenküge. To ratchet up onshore capacity by three more gigawatts by 2025, Germany's northernmost state intends to add roughly 1,500 new onshore turbines, most of them 200 meters tall, as high as the 58-story Trump Tower in New York City, to the already existing 2,100 turbines, many of which will be upgraded with advanced turbine mechanics. Transmission grids that are still under construction will transport the energy to Germany's cities in the industrial south. At the same time, 1,000 existing turbines that stand outside the priority areas or have reached the end of their lifespan will be decommissioned. Germany is well aware that the Energiewende's ultimate success hinges on buy-in from the public, especially from those people living in the path of wind turbines or solar parks, transmission cables, and other hardware. Gert Rosenkranz of the think tank Agora Energiewende explains, The acceptance of the Energiewende in general is consistently very high, around 90%. But when it comes to implementation, there's almost always stiff opposition these days on the ground where construction is planned. NIMBYism, the not-in-my-backyard phenomenon, is only going to grow as the Energiewende advances, predicts Rosenkrantz. Today, Germany generates an impressive 40% of its electricity with renewables, the rest primarily with coal, nuclear power, and natural gas. But the country's goal is 80%, at the very least. Its plans also include measures to save energy through the use of efficient electric vehicles and improvements in heating systems for buildings. In those sectors, Rosenkrantz intones, we're still at the beginning. Efforts to win the public's support for new infrastructure is thus a top priority, so much so that methodology for garnering acceptance has become something of a fledgling science. Institutes, government agencies, universities, and the renewable energy industry are all in the thick of research and watch closely communities like Vabs and Reusenküge to see what works or doesn't and why. Had policymakers followed developments in the likes of Vabs a little more closely, they might have sensed trouble brewing. Had they absorbed lessons from Reusenküge and elsewhere early on, they might have headed it off. The Rich of Reusenküge From a roost atop Dirk Kettelsen's simple two-story office building, the engineer looks out over the vast territory of Berger Windpark Reusenküge as the turbines gently ply the air. In the other direction, the placid North Sea stretches beyond the Vaden Sea tidal flats as far as one can see. The rangy, plain-spoken man in brown engineer overalls is one of the founders and the director of Bergerwindpark Reusenküge. He started his foray into wind power with a single turbine in his backyard in 1989. He and his neighbors then invested in handfuls of new turbines at a time until the park, which merged with several smaller parks, took on its current dimensions in 2015. Kettleson's own company, Dirkshof, 
which employs a small team of engineers and developers, has since midwifed another eight citizen-owned wind parks, including one in France. In the control room below us, one wall is lined with monitor screens that show each of the citizen park's weather conditions, turbine speed, and power production. In the early 1990s, Kettleson and his fellow burghers were early participants in a groundswell of interest in clean tech that eventually coalesced into the Energiewende. Even though the transition to renewables is now state-orchestrated, innovation and investment are still coming from below, from communities such as Reusenkuge. Berger Windpark Reusenkuge experiments with the latest clean tech to enhance the park, including giant batteries, smart mini-grids, and devices to protect bird populations from propellers. Kettleson is also investing in concentrated solar energy systems and hydrogen production. Despite the forest of turbines that tower overhead, the folks of Reusenkuge have not fled their handsome, upscaled farmhouses and seem unbothered by the litany of health problems that turbine detractors complain about. Because Bergerwind Park is a collective, every shareholder has a voice in the enterprise according to the volume of shares owned. An annually elected board, led by Kettleson, runs the daily operation. Testimony to Berger Windpark's financial success, Reusenkuge has the highest per capita income in all of Schleswig-Holstein's 1,116 municipalities. Kettleson says, We do everything to make the park compatible with the environment and the people who live here. We need them on our side, not attacking us at every turn, or nothing will get done. The blinking red lights at night, he admits, can grate. They even draw complaints from the North Sea Islands at 15 kilometers off the coast. But new technology is expected to soon make the all-night lighting obsolete. An aviation warning system, which Dirkshoff developed jointly with the Fraunhofer Institute for High-Frequency Physics and Radar Techniques, relies on television and radio waves to detect approaching aircraft. It flashes on only when aircraft approach the park. A fifth of Reusenkuge's turbines already have the breadbox-sized tech strapped on their masts. The West Coast's wind parks haven't scared away tourists either, as critics in Vabs fear could happen in their community. Tourists flock to the North Sea for, among other pleasures, hikes along the coastal mudflats. Over the past 15 years, the number of overnights booked at hotels along the West Coast has only climbed. Lots of tourists ask us about the windmills, says Bente Hansen, a waitress at Hotel Ulmenhof near Reusenkuge, referring to the turbines. I say they don't bother me. They're like part of the landscape now. And the tourists return, she says. For Kettleson, the way to expand wind power across Germany and elsewhere in the world is self-evident from the example of Reusenkuge. Citizen involvement in planning and ownership. He says... The locals have to profit from renewable energy, not the big utilities and profit-minded developers. Nobody likes being dictated to, adding that without broad public acceptance, such projects are doomed. Wind chill in Vobs. The winds of technological change are blasting toward Vobs, whether residents like it or not. While establishing the priority zones, Schleswig-Holstein's authorities painstakingly scoured the state's coasts, inland farmlands, and urban suburbs to find suitable locations for wind power development, 
and approved 22 new turbines for VOBs. All will be privately owned. Just about everyone in VOBs, with the notable exception of the handful of farmers who will lease plots to the developers, oppose the construction, which is scheduled to begin this spring. Stark, the community's lead wind power opponent, says, The state says that local communities must be consulted on turbine development, and we were, but our refusal obviously didn't carry any weight. He notes that, according to new law, even if a majority of locals oppose a wind power development in designated priority zones, that's not enough to legally thwart it. Today, the population of about 1,400 has little but tourism to live from, says Stark, noting that the rolling hills behind the rocky beaches and glacier-carved limestone cliffs draw legions of cyclists in summer months, causing Vabs's populace to swell tenfold. The new parks, Stark claims, will turn verdant fields and country forests into eyesores, as well as a graveyard of dead sea eagles, red kites, and bats. In his urban jeep, Stark drives me along old country roads to the existing turbines and the sights of those soon to come. Pausing to let me take in the gentle lay of the land, he says, you'd see them from everywhere in the municipality. Even on a drizzly autumn morning, the tranquil downs, dotted with piles of stones cloaked by long weeds where farmhouses once stood, project a meditative calm. The farmers, he fumes, will bank 50,000 euros, about 56,600 US dollars a year in rent per turbine, while most of the tax revenue from energy generation will benefit the cities where the developers' firms are based rather than VOBs. Stark says... We're going to pay a high price for something that most of us, in turn, get absolutely nothing from. Vobs's residents charge that wind turbines pose critical health hazards, including psychological stress, headaches, nausea, sleeplessness, and even vomiting. It's an argument shared by the hundreds of anti-wind power organizations that have mushroomed across the country. The turbine's monotonous swishing noise causes acute insomnia, explains Suzanne Kirchhoff, head of an NGO whose name translates to For Humans and Nature Against Wind, Schleswig-Holstein. Even though the Schleswig-Holstein legislature recently passed laws distancing the giant turbines at least a kilometer from townships and 500 meters from dwellings of any size, Kirchhoff points to scientific studies that underscore the menace of wind turbines' constant noise, as well as inaudible resonant vibrations. The low-frequency vibrations drive people crazy, she says, explaining that the infrasonic sound, even though it can't be heard, vibrates in the inner ear, disturbing balance and the nervous system. She claims Germany's political class refuses to take the studies seriously, saying the planners and the politicians just look at maps, not the people who live there. Conservation-minded environmental groups have come to Vobs's aid in defense of the local fauna, particularly birds, which can crash into turbine propellers. It's a bitter irony that the state's Green Party, part of the coalition government, is the driving force behind expanding wind power in the region, which has put the party at odds with the same wildlife groups that supported its creation 40 years ago. 
To combat climate change, Green parliamentarian Bernd Voss says, we're going to have to make compromises with nature, and people are going to have to compromise too. People from Vobs and other small communities in the state have staged numerous protests at the legislature in Kiel, Schleswig-Holstein's port capital, over the turbines planned for their townships and suburbs. A lawyer is pursuing options to forestall digging in Vobs. The anti-wind municipalities have collectively gathered tens of thousands of signatures demanding that communities have a voice that counts in zoning plans for new parks. They demand that Schleswig-Holstein adopt Bavaria's criteria, namely that large turbines lie two kilometers or more from population centers. Stark says, It's not that we're against the Energiewende. It's just that onshore wind simply isn't necessary. Offshore wind and solar power can be ramped up more than enough to make onshore wind power redundant. But the state's evaluators found this contention and the municipality's other arguments unconvincing. Science of Acceptance Would the possibility to invest in the new wind parks win over the commoners of Vobs? Stark, a well-off salesman, says no, but he can't speak for his neighbors. Rosenkrantz of Agora Energivenda says that, according to research, development projects with a citizen ownership model are usually embraced in economically sound localities. Yet in poorer regions, such as several in eastern Germany, where many people lack the investment capital they would need to become shareholders, a citizen ownership model can exacerbate tensions. In such situations, Rosenkrantz argues, it's preferable that the developer or collective funnels profits from a development project into a municipality's coffer or into a communal fund that invests directly in public goods, such as a kindergarten or swimming pool, rather than paying out shareholders. When that happens, he says, the majority can usually be convinced to drop their objections. And he further notes that about 7% of people remain opposed to development projects, no matter what. Since wind power's boom in Germany began in the early 2000s, technological innovations have eradicated one bugbear after another. When the sun is low, for example, the massive propeller blades can cast long, flickering shadows on nearby housing, a form of visual pollution that disturbs residents. But that grievance was resolved when a Danish wind power company invented built-in sensors that monitor the sun's intensity and path to determine when shadow flicker is likely and automatically stop the turbine until the threat is gone. State-of-the-art propeller design has also cut noise substantially. I detected none at all 100 meters from the turbines. And fresh innovations could bring it down further. In Reusenküge, nine turbines are switched off every day at times when waterfowl, such as the sea eagle, tend to fly through the park's airspace. A pilot radar system for detecting bird movement in the park's vicinity will be tested in spring of 2019. In the age of advanced global warming, the expansion of renewable energy is an imperative that trumps other interests. In order for Germany to meet its ambitious climate goals, Energy experts argue that the country will have to double or even triple its land-based wind power fleet, in addition to expanding other renewable energy sources. As with any societal and technological changes, 
there will always be resistors. What the experiences in Vobs and Reusenkuge reveal is that better technology and incentives go a long way to winning community acceptance of wind turbines. Find more coastal news and stories from Hakai Magazine on our website at hakaimagazine.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook. All of our feature stories are part of the Hakai Magazine Audio Edition podcast, which you can subscribe to through your favorite podcast app. If you enjoyed this story, please consider sharing it with your friends. <laughs>